This is the Life Truth Network. Quest for Our Truth, Episode 443. Quest for Truth, presented by Protectorate Productions and HPN. Heltsley Podcast Network. Now located at life-truth.com. And now, here are your hosts, Keith Heltsley and Nathan Caldwell. Hey everybody, this is George Keith, and it is time once again for Quest for Truth. And uh, we're going to be, actually have a, an epilogue of sorts, and then we're going to roll into uh, the Bible study topic. And uh, to get things going, I will be rejoined by our co-host, Nathan Caldwell. And a long time ago, we teased him about uh, being Nathan the Frog. And it it got started because he he couldn't record for a week or so because he had a cold and had a frog in his throat. Well, I guess he got brave because you're going (laughs) to... He's Nathan the Frog again. Uh, but all kidding aside, uh, I appreciate his epilogue to our spiritual warfare uh, series. He brings out some final, a couple brief final remarks on my uh, the, the actual 441 episode. Uh, so anyway, I'll leave that there because you'll hear from him shortly. And then we'll get busy looking at uh, the last part of Galatians chapter 1. Some interesting uh, things about Paul and his testimony there. So stay tuned for that as we get ready to present that right after a few brief words from the good folks there at the Christian Podcast Community.com. Thoroughly Equipped is part of Striving for Eternity's Christian podcast community. Striving for Eternity is a Christ-centered ministry focused on equipping people for eternity by assisting Christians to have an eternal perspective on life. They strive to bring evangelism, discipleship, apologetics, and Christian living together for the purpose of eternal preparation by exalting God, edifying and equipping the saints, and evangelizing the lost. They provide speakers, online articles, online courses, books, podcasts, and other theological resources, all centered on God's Word. To find out more, go to strivingforeternity.org. And to listen to other podcasts, go to podcast.strivingforeternity.org. I pray that their resources bless you as they have blessed me as we live our lives day by day, praising and glorifying God. Parenting isn't about us. In fact, parenting isn't even about our kids. Parenting is just one way Christian dads and moms are to worship God. So welcome to the Truth Love Parent Podcast, where we train dads and moms to give God the preeminence in their parenting. I'm your host, A.M. Brewster, and today we bring our biblical parenting essentials. If you've ever wanted to have me visit your local church, your school, camp, 
some ministry of some kind, or home even, to speak on how God would have us to parent our kids or any other family topics, please visit truthloveparent.com and click on the speaking tab. And please, of course, share this whole series on your favorite social media outlets so that other Christian parents can mature in their parenting. Subscribe to the show and follow it for weekly encouragement. And if you and or your family need some specialized and individualized help, please write to us at counselor at truthloveparent.com or leave a voicemail at 828-423-0894. Listen, I love you more than you realize. I love your family equally, and I'm honored to be invited to serve you at this important time in your life. So Lord willing, I'll see you soon. Truth Love Parent is part of the Evermind Ministries family and is dedicated to helping you worship God through your parenting. So join us next time as we study God's Word to learn how to parent our children for life and godliness. And remember that TLP is a listener-supported ministry. You can visit truthloveparent.com forward slash donate to learn more. Ding dong! Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding dong! Mormons. Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth, but it is very wise to know what they believe, and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at whatdotheybelieve.com. Okay, and here is Nathan with his brief words on our our epilogue to our spiritual warfare uh, series we just recently finished. Hey, some comments for 441. On about 48 minutes, you uh, talk about people, not necessarily you, Keith, but people believing in ghosts and how, you know, if, if they did exist, you would command them to leave there's a term called ancestral and this is a category of type of evil spirit i'm laughing you'll know why in a minute because as people say my aunt martha comes to visit me and she's my spirit guide to tell me what to do or i think my house is haunted by a previous owner or uh, you know my dad comes back and he sends me texts on my phone to guide me okay these are all um, not real <laughs> they don't there are no ghosts ghosts don't come back your family members once they have passed along they have passed along now allegedly there's two ways to think of this and i'm inclined on the first way is that uh evil spirits are good impersonators they're good mimics and if they want to mimic something a warm fuzzy bunny that comes sleeps on your pillow at night well golly that's what they're gonna do uh they're good mimics uh, and they can fool people with that and you'll say oh no they know things about me that no one else would know except for my dear old mom no <laughs> you don't know uh they probably know you better than you think you do. They know how to push those buttons. They know how to get in there and dig. They know what it takes to push you over an edge to commit a sin. Um, Now, the other idea is that, well, maybe it really is um, 
a deceased person who has some unrequited thing and they are just wandering. They're not at peace, so they can't cross over. Sounds very new agey, but that's the other idea. Um, you know, when it comes down to that, if you think you're, you really do have maybe a ghost living in your house, or maybe you really think there is unrequited thing, you know what you do? There's an the answer for you. You pray that they leave. No, I'm sorry. You command that they leave. You you pray, of course, for discernment from the Holy Spirit, but you command that they leave, and you command that they go directly to the presence of Christ, who will deal with them fairly and justly and right now. And if they really are unrequited spirit, well, then he'll pass them on. He'll he'll requite them. <laughs> Uh, and if they're really an imposter, well, he'll deal with that too. Uh, and so that's how you deal with that. But there, but there's, there are no ghosts. There are no, their departed souls haunting the earth. They're, in my opinion, they are uh, sneaky demons. Well, here's the problem with that. Um, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, it doesn't say after this comes the haunts. No, the Bible says after this comes the judgment. Read Luke 16 and you'll see what happens after somebody dies. Um, demons, like you said, Keith, are good impersonators. You said you're inclined to believe this too. That's where I'm going to stop it. That's where I'm going to say that's it. That's it right there. If you're experiencing something like that, it isn't a ghost. But you may very well be dealing with a demon and you need to be careful. Very careful. Um, definitely ask God for some help there because you're sure not going to be able to do it on your own. Now, Keith, to your credit, you you said that at the end of that statement. You said, it, in your opinion, there there are no uh, it, uh, ghosts that's just sneaky demons. Sneaky demons. I, I like that. Um, but... Um, I think I would add with the evidence of the word of God when it says it is appointed unto men once to die after this the judgment as well as when you look at Luke 16 and what happens to someone when they die both a saved and an unsaved person I think we can say with pretty definitive answer that there are no ghosts hanging around so at about 58 minutes I think um you started talking about uh, how um, Jesus gave the um, the twelve authority over demons and such. And uh... Luke nine one and two, um, he called the twelve together and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. We have that authority, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. We have that uh, right there. We are told we have that power and authority. I just want to say, I don't know if we have the same authority those 12 had. Remember those 12 were apostles. Um, but I do know this, and I think you mentioned this 
in another aspect when you were talking about curses, Keith, is um, we got the best defense. We got the Holy Spirit. I would also say we have the Word of God. And when Jesus was having to deal with being tempted by Satan himself, the Word of God is exactly what he used. One bit of clarification. There's true again. When um, you're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about like you or I would fill a pitcher. Um, You have as much of the Holy Spirit as you're going to have. When we say, and the Bible says, being filled with the Holy Spirit, what it means is we're being obedient to the Holy Spirit. We are uh, following any promptings like conviction or or remembering what the Bible has to say about things. Uh, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And, and we need to be obedient, not grieving the Holy Spirit. In other words, not disobeying God. Not doing things that would make God unhappy with us. Or rather, uh, then i got to be careful there. Because, you know, through Christ, we're fine. But what I'm trying to say is things that God would disapprove of and the Bible says he would disapprove of, we, we, we don't wanna we don't wanna do those things. We want to 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 live a life that is pleasing to God and following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And that is what the Bible t- is talking about when it talks about being filled with the Spirit. Okay, thanks for that, uh, Nathan. Hope you're get over your cold soon. <laughs> Uh, hopefully can we can get back to recording together another episode or two coming up here. And uh, I, the only thing I want to remark on the tail end of that, on that Luke uh, episode, or Luke, Luke scripture, is I think it was in, in the uh, the summary episode where you uh, added some remarks. I, I read a, a more lengthy version of that passage and the, the focus being on the following chapter when uh, a man brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus. And despite having their big heyday with being uh, granted to cast out demons, um, when he got off the Mount of Transfiguration with his top three disciples, the remaining dis- nine disciples could not cast it out. So even the apostles... Even apostles were not always granted uh, permission to cast out demons. So uh, that's the point that I have to admit I failed to bring out in the uh, episode 441 that you were given the epi- epilogue on there. Uh, but that's why I, I did bring it out in in the, uh, the, the summary episode we did on that. Anyway, I, I, I'm chattering too long. Hey, let's get busy now with our main topic. Main topic. Hey, I'm just going to read through a few notes here. I wanted to present Galatians uh, verses 1, starting starting at chapter 1, verses 11, and proceeding on hopefully to the end of the chapter, but maybe we'll just stop at uh, 17 here. Uh, kind of keep, keeping it short. 
and I'm gleaning my notes. Uh, I'm being guided by uh, a uh, commentary from, let me find my commentary here, Daily Study Bible by William Barclay, copyright 1976 by William Barclay, Westminster, John Knox Press. Uh, but more about that as we go. Um, to read this right up here, I'm going to be covering verse 11. I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner, of life and Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who are apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Starting with verse 11. Paul says, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of a man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is important because Paul got the gospel directly from the source. He found out that Jesus was risen because Jesus himself is who he encountered. And as mentioned, these notes are derived from the Daily Study Bible by Barclay. And because I don't want to sound like I'm plagiarizing, but I am kind of being guided by the concepts you had there, which honestly was some of the same thoughts that I had, is just it kind of helps form and solidify the ideas in my mind. But uh, Paul uh, experienced the arresting hand of God. You know, God well, grabbed him and stopped him what he was doing. Uh, but Paul insisted that the gospel he preached was not a second-hand tail and it come directly to him by God but if you make a claim like that that God uh, put his hand on you you need to have some serious proof uh, and f for that proof Paul uh, used himself he gave his own testimony his own experiential witness of his changed life he makes these couple of points here he says, uh, from uh, going from a fanatic of the law to God's grace. Uh, 
he was characterized by a few things. Uh, he says that uh, he had impassionate, I'm sorry, passionate intensity. There's the words I'm looking for. He was very passionate about the the law uh, to the point of abusing Christians over that. When and it's not the, the abusive is not the, the the target. It's his passion. Uh, he tried to earn God's favor through his you know, actions. After receiving God's grace, he became content, but he had a humble faith. He uh, had ceased to glory in what he could do for himself, and he had begun to glory in what God had done for him. He, so once God had put his hand on him and seized him, arrested him, he applied that compassion and that zeal that he had for uh, the cumbersome burden of the law to advancing God's grace through his real intentions through Christ and the church. Verse 13, For ye have heard of my conversation in times past in Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. So, I mean, Paul was a persecutor of Jew, of Christians, excuse me. Uh, they would consider him, they would have considered him a Jew of Jews, a Jew's Jew. They would have considered him uh, an amazing uh, example of um, what you know, someone in the Jewish religion should be. He was uh, very high up, had a lot of authority. Uh, I think if you had asked Paul, Paul would have said he was fine with God. And probably would have believed it because he thought he was helping God. Another thing is that he had been the arch persecutor of the church. Let's look at that. He had devastated the church. Uh, the word devastated is the same word you might use for sacking a city, just totally going in and ransacking everything. Uh, kind of reminds me of some other recent issues in the Middle East. Uh, a certain terrorist group over there uh, utterly sacking the southern areas of Israel, uh, which is not going well for them right now. Uh, but th this is the kind of devastation that he was trying to do. He was trying to just systematically uh, destroy this new Christian sect. Uh, his one aim then, after encountering God, was to spread that Christian message through the world. You know what would be interesting is if the uh, the terrorist group over there uh came to know the gospel, and suddenly they would go from uh, terrorizing the Jews to helping the Jews, or better yet, helping get the Christian message out 
which really goes hand in hand with the Jewish law. Uh, now, what caused this change with Paul? It's an important question. When somebody is rushing down the road uh, headlong as fast as he can, and suddenly does a 180 and is going just as hard to fast the other direction, um, what caused that? You know, there's a funny thought. Uh, remember, uh, those of you who've ever seen the movie Star Wars, there's a scene where Han Solo and Chewie just go full bore chasing the uh, stormtroopers down the hallway, shooting at them and yelling and screaming. And then suddenly they're around the corner and then the camera shows them running back and they're being chased by <laughs> a bigger team of uh Stormtroopers blasting back at them. What happened? Well, they ran into a bigger force that they couldn't solve, and their enthusiasm <laughs> first to conquer turned into one of survival. It's the parallel uh, of what's happened here. Paul was going willy-nilly down the road to attack uh, this new Christian sect, and when he encountered God and his grace, he did a 180 and began to uh, running out the other way to help build this thing that he was trying to tear down. Now, uh, for an explanation for Paul, as mentioned, it was the direct intervention from God. God had literally laid his hands on him and arrested him in mid-career. Uh, it is notable uh, about Paul, that he is not afraid to account this record of his shame. Uh, it, uh, it was glory to him to be beaten up on the church. And suddenly, after his conversion, he is ashamed of that. But he's not afraid to say, yeah, that was me. I used to you know, try to destroy you guys, but here I am on your team. Verse 15, but when it pleased God... who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face until the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith, which he once destroyed. And they glorified God in me. So Paul was trained not by the apostles, but by Christ. And when The church has heard what a change the gospel had made in Saul, now Paul, 
they rejoiced and gave glory to God where the glory should have been. They didn't give glory to Paul. They gave glory to God. Paul never sought his own glory. Paul only wanted glory to be to God. But it has been said many times, and, and, and uh, this isn't my thought, but it's a good thought, that just as fervently as Paul persecuted Christians, when he found out what he was doing was a lie, when he found out what he was doing was false, when he surrendered to Christ, repented, he was just as fervent for Christianity as he ever was against it. The gospel changes people. And a lot of times you you hear about how we need to change our society and we need to change, uh, you know, our nation and this, that, and the other. And I I, I hear you. I do. I, I see the evil, and I don't like it either. But I tell you a way that we can do it from the inside out. At least to some extent. And I think it's one of the main, if not the main way we should focus on it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't vote for better laws. I'm not saying anything like that. But if you really want to change things the way Jesus primarily wants us to change things, I think it involves sharing the gospel, seeing people come to know the Lord, uh, and watching them change from the inside. And when I say presenting the gospel, there are various ways to do that. Whether you use tracts, just make sure they're scriptural because they have those that aren't. Whether you use gospel tracts or whether you just do gardening uh, by asking questions and trying to put a stone in somebody's shoe like Greg Kokel. Or whether you go out trying to present the gospel like Todd Friel or Ray Comfort. However you present the truth of the gospel, present it so that lives can be changed. And then let's train our people, because that is part of the Great Commission, let's train those Christians after they're baptized, let's train them to go out and share even more. Now, in order to show God's power, here's a kind of a second uh, theme to this passage here. Uh, there's two things to say about that intervention. Uh, it was not a premeditated thing. It, Paul didn't plan it. it Paul didn't plan, you know what, I'm going to destroy the Christians up until this point when I reach Damascus, and then I'm going to stop. He, that wasn't his plan. <laughs> but it was. It was in God's eternal plan for that to happen. 
uh, you know, God sends everybody into the world with his own part to play in his purpose. Uh, your part to play, it might be large. You may be world famous. It might be small, which is more, probably more likely. You're going to do some small, humble role in some small way. It may be to do something that the whole world will hear about. Or it may be that only a few people will ever know about. But the significance is being done in God's glory. Uh, another point is that Paul knew that he was chosen. He thought of himself uh, as being chosen not for something noble, but he saw himself as being chosen for service, for serving uh, God, not to, for a life of ease and comfort. He wasn't the big uh, pampered uh, televangelist who lives in a million-dollar home when it has a Learjet. <laughs> no. <laughs> Living in an air-conditioned palace, no. Uh, he was quite the opposite. It was for battle. Paul knew he was being converted to serve and to do battle, of course, spiritual battle. But for Paul, sometimes it was physical. Um, let me, I know earlier I read from NASB, but let's again return to that. I know Nathan Caldwell was uh, reciting the, uh, or, or quote, <laughs> reciting, he did it from memory. He quoted from the King James Version. Uh, this says, uh, starting in verse 18, then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith. And they were glorifying God because of me. Well, when we look at this passage, and I'm glad Nathan continued it, but it would be kind of maybe odd to address this all by itself, because it is a continuation What's happening here is, first of all, he went away to Arabia. So he's in Damascus. He has this conversion, and he immediately goes away into Arabia, some out there in Arabia. <laughs> he went to be alone. Uh, he uh, had to uh, think out this thing that happened to him. He had to... Uh, make sense of it. What just happened to me? I'm persecuting Christians, and I have this experience. He had to take some personal reflection. Second, he had to speak with God if, before he spoke with men. He wanted to make sure he was getting a, a clear uh, signal, uh, a word from God. And I'm not sure. If, I don't think it says so particularly. But, you know, knowing Paul, he was very well-versed in Old Testament Scripture, being a Pharisee of Pharisees. He probably had 
uh, scrolls. He probably had co- his own personal copies of the Bible, and he probably went and studied the Old Testament prophecies to see, is this actually the Messiah? Did I see what I thought I saw? Uh, and of course, you you know uh, that Jesus, when he w- was resurrected, that's exactly what he did with his his disciples, because it says in there that he uh, taught them, you know, everything beginning with the disciples up until now. Uh, but there are so few people, it seems, who will take the time for this self-reflection, for this connection with God before they get out there, what they call it, the stage cage phase, cage phase, that's what they call it, I don't know. Uh, it's it's where someone just gets so excited for God that they just you know run the math before they uh, put on the brakes and do something about it. Uh, but second of all, he went back to Damascus. It took some courage because he had been on the way to Damascus to well wipe out the church, and so it would have taken courage after these you know three years of being in Arabia to come back to give his testimony. He's not the same way he used to be. Third of all, Paul went to Jerusalem. And of course, this is roughly some three years later. Now, I think it may be longer because it does say the three years in Arabia before going back to Damascus. And then it says that he went to Jerusalem. Now, he took his life on his hands in a way going back to Jerusalem, the place where he started as a Pharisee persecuting Christians, and now he's going back to these people he used to work for. He he ran some risks there. He faced some issues going back to Damascus, and then he faced even deeper issues by going back to Jerusalem, uh, where his these former friends might just be out for him. He might have been a renegade, a betrayer. Um, he had former victims there in the Christian church in Jerusalem, and they might have shunned him. Uh, but he had that courage to face his past. Uh, and we never really get away from our past. We can only really uh, overcome our past when we stop and face it and defeat it, take the bull by the horn, so to speak. The fourth thing... And the final thing here is that Paul went to Syria and Cilicia. There we go. I think it's not necessarily a perfect timeline. I think if we read Acts again, I think those two are flipped as far as the actual chronology goes. But the point is he went to both of the places after he'd gone to Jerusalem. And what's the importance with that? Well, um, well, for one thing, and the, that region is where Tarsus is located. His, that would be Paul's hometown. And what's the, the significance with that? He is going back to where his family were. His friends of his boyhood and his youth would have been there. They would have remembered him. You know, I remember you when, Saul, <laughs> whenever you were just up and coming, we got some secrets on you. They may have had some anger. They may have had some mockery. Uh, but he 
was prepared to be regarded uh, as a fool for the sake of Christ so that he could reach those people. Uh, but in all this, Paul was seeking to get the word out about the gospel. He got it from no person. He didn't learn it from the apostles. He didn't learn it from any church. He really didn't learn it much from Ananias when he got his conversion experience. He got it from God. He got it from studying the scriptures that he had at the time. And then he had the courage to turn around and witness the hardest places of all. And that is what I have to wrap out this chapter. Ever wish you could get together with a friend over coffee each week and talk about God's Word? Me too. Hi, I'm Anthony Russo. I'm the host of Grace and Peace Radio. Grace and Peace Radio is a Christian living blog and podcast dedicated to engaging conversations about applying God's Word to everyday life. I hope you'll join me, Anthony Russo, on Grace and Peace Radio each week at graceandpeaceradio.com or right here on the Christian Podcast Community.org. Commands of Christ, presented by Nathan Caldwell. It's love, just flat out love, and love your love God, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. The first and greatest commandment. Of course, the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. You know, somebody might be asking, "Do you have to love your neighbor to be saved?" No, that's not how you be saved. But I'm telling you, sometimes you might have to be saved to love your neighbor. <laughs> That was Commands of Christ, presented by Nathan Collin. Quest for Truth, now located at life-truth.com. Hello everyone, Daniel Minnick here. I host a podcast called Truth Espresso, and I am inviting you to join in. So what can you expect at Truth Espresso? Well, at Truth Espresso, we wake up our minds every Monday with a robust shot of truth. Let's dig deep in the Word of God as we get to know our God better together. Let's challenge our view of the world as we take apart conventional politics with a fine-toothed comb. See all that Truth Espresso has to offer by going to www.truthespresso.com. And by the way, Truth Espresso is now a member podcast of the growing family of the Christian podcast community. Check out other faith-building shows at christianpodcastcommunity.org, hosted by Striving for Eternity Ministries. Hey, everybody, that is the show and uh, some important stuff there about Paul and the bravery to stand up and present your witness to your family and friends and your places of work who knew you uh, before when you were uh, not the, the holier than thou Christian that you may be today. They knew you when things were ugly. Uh, that takes some bravery to go back and try to witness to those people. Anyway, that's all we got. 
So here's our closing remarks coming up here. Some calls to action. How to find us on the web, send us an email, a voicemail, all like that there. So take it away, Anthony Russo. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music on the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a Savior. Thanks for listening.